with an increased projected of being 37.1%. Wait, 37? 37% this year increase. That's insane. That's the projection for 2022. For what city? And now. <laughs> aye, aye. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 131 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Oh, happy Monday as we record this episode today. Absolutely. And we have a special guest in the studio today. Clover, the podcasting puppy, is sitting here with us. You know, she's like our little lucky charm. She you really know. is. Maybe it's because she's a Clover. That's right. Clover, Lucky, Luck of the Irish, Lucky. You know, is she actually Irish? Is she um, no, but her, little St. Patrick's Day uh, dog? No, but her litter was the Lucky Charms litter. Why would they call it that? I don't know. They just come up with every litter. It has like a different fun little name or theme. And so she was from the Lucky Charms litter. So she literally is our Lucky Charm Clover. Is her any of her brothers and sisters named like Leprechaun or Leppy or anything? I think there's a Lucky and I think... Thought I remember like a Goldie, um, like there was some really cute names, definitely. Well, fantastic! We got a little lucky Clover in the studio. Hey, yes, Clover, you, you want to say hi? <laughs> nope. Oh, she's really? Just happy. She's looking your hands right now. What she's she doing? She is. I love having her with me. She totally like helps me feel like centered and calm and ready for podcasting. Right before this, I, you were like, "Are you ready?" And I was like, "You know what would make me so happy." My Clover. So here she is with me. Licking my little, the microphone. Yeah, you know, we had little a little, buddy. S- little scare with Clover yesterday. Ugh, you had a scare. I was gone. Yeah. So this is what happened was I was helping Christine load her car up to take off. What you were going yesterday? Up to LA or something? Yeah. I was hosting a baby shower for one of my closest friends. So I was helping you load the car up. And I had the front door open, helping you carry stuff to the, to the front door. And then after you left, I usually have Clover hang out with me. We play fetch around the living room. She brings her toys to me. Like she has this toy... Like actual real baseball she found and she's destroyed the thing, get her little <laughs> teeth sink into the thing. You see bite marks all over the thing. So I like to throw that thing around the house for her to play with. She kind of plays fetch and brings it back or other toys too. Mm-hmm. So I'm in here in the studio here doing some computer work and had Clover with me. We're hanging out and I'm doing some stuff and I'm like, it's been a good five, six minutes or so. I'm like, Clover, where are you? Clover, let me go check. So I go running around, go out, leave the studio here. I go into the living room. And I look to the right, and then I see the door is wide open to the front door. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, the panic, like, sunk in. And I was, like, running out the door, like, where's Clover at? Like, I was freaking out. (laughs) But then I saw her, like, right there on the front grass by the front lawn. She was just sitting there, like, looking at me. So I went to go get her. I know she likes to play this game of chase me if you can (laughs) catch me if you can right so she was totally like running around the grass yeah clover i'm talking about you yeah from yesterday remember oh i know (laughs) so i had and the kids were sleeping still because early in the morning so i had to like i'm debating whether or not i run back in the house get the kids or risk her running off 
Right, running down the street, or I kind of keep her like kind of in one little area where I was kind of keeping her on the lawn, right? Chasing her kind of with my arms open wide, kind of like swoop her back into mm-hmm. that area. I had the door open. I'm hoping that she would have gone back into the house, right? But she didn't. She was running laps around the whole lawn. <laughs> and then I had a, like kept an eye on her, ran in Jacob's bedroom. Is right above the garage. So he had his window open. I think he heard me out there chasing Clover. So he runs down. He's like, <gasps> you know, like kind of mm-hmm. half awake, like trying to help me chase Clover. And then we, two of us are trying to chase her. We couldn't get her because she kept darting from both of us. And who's always the magical Clover catcher? Mason. Now, Mason, yeah. <laughs> Mason was in his room sleeping or doing who knows what. So I had Jacob. Jacob, go run upstairs, grab Mason, have him come down here to the three of us. Finally come down here. So three of us are trying to corner Clover. We're chasing her on both sides of the of the lawn. Like I went to the right, Jacob went to the left, Mason was in the middle. And it was so funny. It was almost like a comedic like sketch. Cause she's like <laughs> running between our legs. Mason's trying to jump on her. I'm trying to get her to go this way. We're both all three of us are taking dives on the ground trying to catch Clover. She's darting and laughing. I think she's laughing. She's totally <laughs> laughing at us as we're trying to chase her. She's running around the property. And um, eventually, like, I eventually caught her. Like, Mason and Jacob distracted her just enough where I got behind her and oh, grabbed her really quick. <laughs> oh, my God. That gave me a total heart attack. And I didn't want to tell you, babe, until, until after it happened. Because I, was, if she ran down the street, then I'd have to take the call. The dreaded call to Christine that your dog ran away. <laughs> I can't get her back. Yeah, that would have – I don't know what I would have done. I would have been absolutely devastated because she is like – I don't know. I don't even know how to describe my Clover. She is my buddy for sure. And we have these big, massive like uh, hawks in the area and a tree and like, a few houses down. There's some trees with these big like red tail – what do you call them? Fancy tail. Hawks? Hawk? Were they hawks, right? Yeah, they're hawks. And they're big ones too and they're flying around the uh, house here looking for – uh whatever they can sink their little talons into. And uh, so we're worried about Clover maybe getting picked up by one of those birds if, you know, Hawk decided to, you know, do something. So, you know, for those that are listening in, maybe you're just catching up on like who we are and what our story is. So we live outside of the main part of town. And in October, we bought uh, our dream house. (laughs) Clover's yawning. You can hear her. So if you hear little noises, it's our little puppy. She's literally right here by the microphone with me. But we moved out from the center of town out to an area that is a lot more like rustic. Rural. Is Rural. It? Yeah. yeah. So we live on like a half acre with our dream home, which we're so grateful that we were able to purchase. But uh, we have a lot of wildlife in the area uh, of which the most dangerous for clover that we've seen to date are a family of hawks that live just one property over and uh, they hunt like you can hear them screeching. And so with Hawks, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, um, The Proposal. That's the one with Sandra Bullock. I'm sorry. I must have missed that one. Well, yeah, she goes up to it's her and um, Ryan Reynolds, I think. And they go up to Sitka, Alaska to see his family. And they like feature this part where there's a hawk or an eagle. I think it's a hawk that lives on their property. And the grandmother's little dog is let out into the backyard and the hawk grabs the dog and <gasps> no like, way dro- like, like like clover size yes clover size exactly and so i'm always super careful because hawks can typically hunt animals that are up to 10 pounds and she's right in that range she might be a little bit more than 10 pounds but that's part of why we have a little we call it a bark potty so that's what the brand is called it's a potty that she uses inside 
because she can't be let outside off a leash because it those hawks move so quickly. And so she when she's in the yard at all, she has to be leashed so that we can keep her within our distance to be able to grab her back if the hawks start circling. Because there's been times when I had her out on the leash and like I was under the overhang of the porch and she was just like roaming around the yard on the leash. And then all of a sudden you see the hawks circling. No way. And they'll like start screeching. And I'm like, nope, you're not getting my puppy. (laughs) Is there any time? I think I've heard about this is where a hawk is actually taking a baby before because that's 10 what? pounds 10 pounds a baby's like a hawk took a baby what are you talking about right. you're making up stories or a kid. Now. maybe it was a kid you're thinking of a dingo maybe i'm thinking of wizard, of, wizard of oz baby. wizard of oz when the when the when the hawks you know the those uh, aren't hawks those are flying monkeys right the flying monkeys came by and, and they got toto that's right that's, that's like my worst nightmare that's not flying monkeys but like the, the hawks would come and get clover oh, and so clover so yes we're super careful about how we let her out maybe i'm a little bit of a, a helicopter dog mom you sure are one more thing i forgot to say about living out here in this area of town the outside outskirts we do have mountain lines in the area yeah not on our property specifically but they are just across the highway and we have bobcats and things like that in right. the area we may have coyotes. We've not seen them yet on our security cameras, but they're definitely possums. I think it's to see a possum on the camera. Yeah, there's been possums, raccoons. We have squirrels. We I think we have snakes. We haven't really seen them, so we don't let clover go up on our hill because there's lots of little holes there that could be like you know snake holes and things like we that. We do have a lot of lizards. Though. Oh my gosh, we have so Th- many lizards. This place is like Lizardville. There's so many lizards. Like you go outside, you see at least three lizards. Like anywhere you look. Yeah, they're like little geckos. They're so cute, or little blue bellies and things like that. Remember the time that big giant bird was over here eating them up? Oh my gosh! So there was this one day, Chris and I were sitting having coffee, and then I was on a Zoom call for work, and then all of a sudden, out the window. We see this gigantic bird and it ended up, we thought that it was a a heron, but it was an egret. So it's like a coastal bird, like a crane. Uh, Right. It was tall and skinny. Oh, you know what? It was was a heron. We thought that it was a crane. So it was an egret. But man, that thing, it's like... It was huge, and it was just hunting lizards. And Chris got out the binoculars. And oh, what did you do, honey? I because you, know, you don't get too close to the thing and scare it away. So I got the binoculars out from a distance. I could see it was hunting lizards. Okay, don't tell the details because they're gory. It caught a lizard, and I was watching in the binoculars. Uh, and don't, it was, say, don't say it. It wasn't that far. It was in the backyard, <laughs> so it wasn't that far away. So with the binoculars and whatever zoom it has, it's like really. I got really close and personal look of what it looked like when it ate a lizard. Okay, in its and, mouth and with that's blood like, and no, sh- bits no, no, and- no, no more. Ew, gross. <laughs> it might be like the scene out of Jurassic Park or something. Yeah, it did. There, it got like five lizards here, um, but it was far away from the water, which was interesting. But all that to say, you had a little adventure with Clover while I was out. Oh, yeah, but thank goodness we caught her and we got her back safe and sound. Definitely. You had quite the eventful weekend and not always positive events this weekend. What else major happened to you oh, yesterday? My, so yesterday, uh, you well, you were gone. Oh, so the day started with Clover getting out. And then what happened just a couple hours later? So a couple hours later, I decided to go to Costco to get some food. I mean, I go to Costco for not just a big like pickup of stuff. I'll go there for a few things, too. You can't. It is okay to go to Costco and buy one thing. I know most people don't. They end up buying an entire cart. 
but I'll go there for a few things once in a while. I'll go there for, say, like uh, dinner that evening. I love the pre-made dinners at Costco have. The uh, tacos are fantastic. The chicken Alfredo is fantastic. So I took Macy and I said, you know what? I haven't driven the Z sports car. It's been about three weeks since I've driven her. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just take Macy for a little joyride? We'll go to the mall, pick up a few things. We'll go to Costco and then we'll come back and have dinner ready for tonight. Maybe right. have a snack or something. So as I leave Costco with Macy and the Z, I'm driving down the main street there, leaving the place. And all of a sudden, the clutch, because it is a stick shift. It is a six-speed uh, manual transmission. What's a clutch, kids? Well, <laughs> you know, have to figure that out. But anyway, so I'm using the clutch pedal, and I realize it's really light. And I'm like, what? What does that mean when it's light? Well, the when you push on, like you push on a brake. Imagine pushing a brake pedal. And it's like nothing to it. It's like nothing. Yeah. It's like you push it. It's at the floor. You got to use your foot behind it. Pull it back up. Like if, if Oh, that's how it was when I was renting that big Ford Transit. Like I had to push it like way down for the brakes to work well. Oh, well, maybe they were So it was shot. like super light. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the clutch pedal was – well, the clutch in my car runs off hydraulic fluid. It keeps pressure in the clutch. So that's when you when you push the clutch in, it should have some force to it. And you pull it back, there should be some force to let it out. So you push the clutch in, shift a gear – let go of the clutch and then and then you're driving along. That's mm-hmm. how you change gears. So every time you put the car into a gear, any gear, you need to use the clutch pedal before you can put it in gear. So I pushed the clutch in the shift. It was acting really weird. I was popping out at the high end of the clutch. It was like popping out. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I realized the clutch pedal, I put it, I pushed the clutch pedal down and it got stuck at the floor. Oh. Like it wouldn't come back up. I used my, I put my toe behind it and like popped back up and like and I tried using it again. It was it wasn't going into gear. It was grinding gears and I'm like almost coming to stop and go traffic. And I'm like about to get on the freeway. And I'm like, this is not good. I think the clutch I think the clutch went out. So what would have happened if you got on the freeway and the clutch was out? Well, I could probably while the vehicle's moving at high speed, I probably could have floated the gears, which means you shift without using the clutch. Okay. And higher on the freeway. It might grind, but I probably could pull it off. Um, could you have made it home? No. Okay. I still would have had the same problem. Oh, somewhere, okay. somewhere I would have had to have been stranded, oh, okay. which is what happened. So I went past that intersection. I went to the next light, which was a left turn to get into this like – Tra- rural area trans it was like a transit trolley stop parking lot and the parking lot was completely empty so i figure if i can get in there that gives me space off the road it's a big open area to where if i need a tow truck or a mechanic or anything to work on something i'll have the space to do it right i'm not like i hate being like stuck on the very side of a road because you got cars flying by you and stuff and all that it's not it's dangerous so here i have Mason in the car. I've got frozen food from Costco. Not frozen food. It was fresh. It was fresh food that needed to be refrigerated in the car. It was warm. It was a hot day. And now the car is stranded at the trolley center. No clutch. I finally got it into neutral. So I was able to do that. And then I'm like, what? I think I know what the problem is. So I pop the hood and there's a little reservoir for the fluid that you need for the hydraulic clutch. It was completely bone dry. Oh, wow. So I look under the car, and sure enough, yes, there's a puddle mm. of fluid. So all the fluid drained out of something in there. And I'm thinking, great. Um, and what do and I do? at that exact moment, when you're stranded, when most logical people would call a tow truck to f- help them figure it out, what did you decide to do? I called you. You, no. said, you said, I can't answer the phone right now. So I just texted you 911, 911, 911. Which means it's an emergency. Yes. And where was I? You were up in LA area. In the middle of? Irvine. 
in the middle of doing what? A wedding shower. No, I'm sorry, a baby shower. I was hosting a baby shower. I was in the middle of introducing the games and I get a call and I just replied back with, sorry, I can't talk right now. You know, the little automatic response and then 911-911-911 I get. And so I call you back and you're like, my car broke down. I don't know what to do. I'm like, call a tow truck. And you were like, well, I, I just don't know what to do. Da, 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 da. I'm like, call a tow truck. Well, I did. I called. See, my no, insurance- you called me first. Well, I and know, then I you, know. let me finish. You called me first. And then you said, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, call a tow truck. And you're like, I'm going to have to call my insurance. And I'm sitting here thinking, but your car broke down. Insurance doesn't cover when your car breaks down. You're just going to have to pay for the tow but truck. But my insurance does include free roadside towing. Okay. Well, then that would have been the first logical call. So I did call them. Of course, they patched me over to India. And it was not there because their office hours are closed. And so I had to talk to the guy. And he was trying to send me to a mechanic shop that, of course, on Sunday, they're all closed. Right? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my first thought. Well, maybe call the dealership. Maybe the dealership has got like a Sunday uh, person working there. Because usually dealerships are open on the weekends. But their right. service was closed. So I'm like, what do I do? When the tow truck guy finally came here, he's like, where are we taking the car to? And I'm like, well, first off, when the tow truck guy came, there's me and Mason and the food in the car. So what do we do? He would not let anybody ride in the tow truck. They don't do that anymore. So what? They don't. So I didn't know that. See that? This is the first news that I've heard of that. So that's what threw me off too. They told me they, they don't do that. So, oh. so I'm like, he's like, you guys got to ride? I'm like, uh, I didn't think about it because we don't have a ride. We have nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. So my parents were at a picnic with my sister's kids. So I had to call them up. They came to pick us up. They got there at the same time the tow truck guy got there. Luckily, everybody got there at the same time. So, but, my, so my did main he concern, tell you when you called him? Did he tell you that you weren't going to be able to ride with them? Oh yeah. Well, the, the, see, I called the insurance company. Didn't know the the the, the guy that on, on the hotline didn't know. But I just thought that was a thing. You rode with the tow truck driver, right? And I they did used too. To, yeah, like not anymore. I guess because maybe because of COVID or maybe because the seats belts maybe they don't have any maybe seat, liability. Who knows? It could be anything. But that's they don't do that anymore. I guess so. Hmm. So I was my plan was if my parents can get over to the car, they can take Mason back to the house and take the groceries back to the house. Mm-hmm. And then I can deal with the tow truck and maybe I can get a ride with Uber or something. You know, right. that was my plan. So but luckily they all came at the same time. So my parents picked me and Mason up and we took me, followed the tow truck over to the mechanic shop, which had worked on the car before, the same place that did the brakes. And were they open? No, it's Sunday. They're closed on Sunday. But I called the number and they did have a information on how to do an after hours drop off. Okay. Which their after hours drop off is so convenient. What they have is that they say park the vehicle in front of the building somewhere, mm-hmm. obviously where they can find it, I guess. And they have this blue box with you pull it down and it has this big like writing tablet and they have these envelopes in there. And then they have it's basically on the outside of the envelope. It has like your name, your information, the car, the plate, like all the information, what's wrong with the vehicle. And then you put your keys in the envelope, seal it, and you insert it in their little like window drop for their mail. You know, that's how they do their after hours drop off. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So the tow truck driver um, strategically placed the car like right in front of the bay doors because he had a security camera facing the um, that area. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put it here. So he dropped it off there. And... What I was worried about after I locked everything up and everything, my parents were thinking, like, what if the car gets stolen or gets broken into or whatever? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it can happen. But if it, I was thinking, like, if it got stolen, 
then I'll get the insurance money and then I'll, you know, because I was thinking about maybe selling it anyway. So you're what? I was thinking about selling it to upgrade for the new Z. Oh, goodness. Heck no. So if anybody out there wants to buy my Z for top dollar, it's going to be getting, uh, well, let me tell you what the damage is because uh, I got the call from the mechanic today. Like literally before we started recording today, the mechanic called me for the great news. <laughs> <laughs> Of how much it's going to cost to fix the car. Oh, my. And what did he say? Well, I... 17000 I thought... I thought it was just going to be the little reservoir needs to replaced. Oh, yes. So, that's the part of the story that you forget. So, last night, after everything happened, you started doing what everybody says not to do. Like, when you get diagnosed with some... Or you have some health symptom, is like, do not go to WebMD. It is your enemy. So, you decided to take the little bit of knowledge that you had about what you thought was wrong with your car... To self-diagnose it and to get yourself set on the expectation that, oh, this is only going to be a $500 job. And I kept right, saying, yeah. I kept saying, you shouldn't be doing that because you're going to set yourself up to think that it's going to be cheap and what happens if it's a full clutch replacement. And you were like, no, no, I know this is what it is. 100%. I know exactly what this is. Well, it, well, it turns out they want to replace the slave cylinder, the master cylinder, and they also recommend replacing the whole shebang, the entire clutch, flywheel, every single thing for the clutch. They want to replace the whole thing. And I'm like, because <gasps> when you replace a clutch the way it is, the clutch sits on the back of the transmission, right? Okay. So between the flywheel, which is like the engine block, it goes clutch and then transmission. Okay. Which is in the middle, which means you have to remove the transmission mm -hmm. to get to the clutch. Okay. Removing the transmission. Why do you say that three times? I heard you the first three because times. Because the labor alone is $1,200. Okay. To re just remove it. And this is why I told you, you should not be looking up other things that you think are wrong because so it's going to mislead you. So the grand total for this job, the guy quote- Estimate. Okay, estimate. Is this an estimate so far? We could go higher. We don't know yet. The estimate is $2,700 and change. Okay, you said twenty seven hundred dollars. Yes, to fix the baby. I think that's pretty inexpensive for all of the things that are wrong with it. But the question is now, I mean, she's completely paid off. You just had to put new brakes on her. You had to do some other new tires, work, new tires, new tires, and now you're spending twenty seven hundred dollars. Like you're basically paying the same amount that you paid for the car to fix her every couple of months. So at this point... This should be good, I hope. <laughs> After That's what everybody says. The clutch is a wearable part. Like the brakes are a wearable part and tires are wearable. Wearable? Like I could put it on as an outfit? Exactly. You know, it's wearable like it wears down. Oh. So that's... You know the clutch is going to have to be replaced eventually, but I didn't think it happened this early. I thought it would happen sometime around 100,000 miles or more. I only got about 70,000 miles in the car, Ugh. which is kind of low for this thing to happen. Right. You know, so, um, but the fact is, once it's all done, it, I can't think of anything else that would go out other than maybe motor. Don't say that. Knock on wood. Knock like, on wood. Like, literally knock on wood. I'm knocking oh, on wood. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Because so that she's was... getting to be an expensive girl. I know. That's why I want to trade. You don't even spend that much in on me. On you? <laughs> you don't spend that much on me. <laughs> yes, I do, baby. Uh, I don't know. That's debatable. Hey, I bought you this fortress we're living in today. Uh, who bought it? We, we bought it together. That, Thank you. That's right. We sold my old house, which happened to be our old house once we got married. Technically, it was our old house. Technically, it was because I was paying the mortgage. Thank you. Yes. And we took that money proceeds from that and put it into this house. Yes, we did. 
But enough about my week. How has your week been, baby? Well, thank you so much for asking. I thought that you were never going to ask me after your millions of years long story about your horrible day yesterday. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying those kind words. (laughs) You are the person that can totally take a story that was like a 10 minute incident excuse me and make it into like a 15 hour incident that is enough for like an entire radio broadcast well it's what you got to do what you got to do is you got to do you know definitely well i'll keep it short and sweet but my week was very busy but it ended up being a very interesting turn of events because i thought that i had the flu last week because after the wedding last monday which was amazing by the way um, it was just phenomenal. My biggest floral wedding yet. And you can definitely check that out on Instagram at Christine Smith Designs. And our but, website. <laughs> but yes, we can. But after that, I ended up getting sick on Tuesday. And I thought that it was because my assistant on Sunday had the stomach flu and I had to prep all the flowers by myself. But it actually ended up that I got a spider bite. No way. I did. I got it on my stomach of all places, which is so bizarre. So when you're sleeping, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's what we're thinking because I think I found the spider in our bedroom a couple of days later. I killed <gasps> was it, it. Big like a tarantula? Not that big, but it definitely was a poisonous spider. I looked it up and I looked up my bite marks, and they definitely matched. And it was a brown widow, which is a relative of a black widow, but it's native to Southern California. <laughs> a brown widow, huh? Yeah, it's a brown. Why are you laughing? It was a brown widow. It was poisonous. Um, it left two huge marks. Um, a really interesting what, spider did they ha- bite. They have the red bottom, like the black widows do. Yeah, it does have a little bit of a red, <gasps> a red spot to it, and it was crawling up next to my nightstand in the bedroom. I just happened to be like looking for uh my shoes, and then I saw it like crawling out from behind the mirror. And it was like right by my side of the bed. And then I was like, this is an ugly spider. And I looked it up. I took a – I don't think I took a photo, but I looked it up. Then I looked up the spider bites. Then I noticed like some little drops of blood in the bed, like possibly where I was bit um, from a couple nights before. And then I looked up like the symptoms of the spider bite. And I consulted with my mom who is a nurse practitioner and showed her the – the bite marks, and it looks pretty consistent. And so fortunately for me, it got out of my system after a couple of days. But I've had spider bites before, and sometimes the site gets infected and you can get super sick. I've actually been bit by a wolf spider and a black widow before. No way. In, black, widow on my scare, legs. black widow scared me to death. Yeah. You, there's, you see so many of them, like usually hidden – um, if you have any kind of lawn furniture, they're usually mm-hmm. hid in the back behind underneath. They like to they like to go in like dark little places and hide out there. And um yeah. you know, the I, I see them when I like go take the lawn chairs and fold them back up. I see like little nests and little eggs in there. I try to like, get rid of them and kill them, but yeah, uh, black widows scare me to death. Well, it's interesting. Now I've been bit for a third time. All three times I've been bit in a bed. So the first time I was staying at a hotel in Washington, D.C., and I was bit by a spider on my leg. And then we later found that there were black widows underneath the furniture in the hotel. It was so this hotel was supposed to be like a really nice hotel. But when we checked in, it ended up being like kind of scuzzy, but we you know had paid already for it. And so we had to stay. 
And then the second time I got bit was at an embassy suites in Monterey, California. And it was when Ezekiel was really little and I was sleeping out on the hide bed in the living room of the embassy suites because I was just trying to like keep him in the bedroom in a dark place where he could sleep. And so I was sleeping on the pullout bed and um, it was on the opposite leg, interestingly enough, from my first bite. But this one, thankfully, I didn't get as sick as the other two and it didn't get as swollen, but I definitely did have what felt like the flu. And so I was out of work for a couple of days while I was recovering from that. And then um, I had a wedding that I was coordinating on Saturday. And then I hosted, co-hosted a baby shower for my sweet friend, Lana, and her husband, Mark. She is one of my friends that I went through the doctoral program at USC with, and we became super close. And she and her husband are getting ready to welcome twin baby boys. Twins? That's double the trouble, let me tell you. Definitely. I'm so excited for them because they have been waiting for seven years to be able to have babies. Never thought they'd be able to. Lana is a two-time cancer survivor and has had a lot of health challenges. And so it's definitely... I don't know. It was just so special to be able to be part of that day. And you know me. I love helping to host things to celebrate my friends. And so I got to have one of my friends make the floral centerpieces. And then I did all of the decorations. Her mom handled all the food and her best friend since childhood did like all of the sweets. But it was really fun and really a lot of joy seeing her being celebrated. But I will tell you that the drive back and forth up to Irvine definitely was a killer yesterday. I was so tired because I woke up with a migraine that on the way up, I had to stop at the rest area and rest for like 20 minutes because my migraine medicine was making me sleepy. Oh, yeah. And then on the way home, I was so tired that I stopped at the rest stop on the way back. And I was just going to rest for like 20 minutes, but I ended up putting like another timer on for another 25 minutes. And I took like a 45 minute rest. No way. I was so tired, honey. I was so worn out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was kind of worn out, too, of all the emotional damage I went through yesterday with the car and stuff and mm-hmm. all that roller coaster with that fun stuff. It kind of Sunday was not the way we planned it being, and it just kind of happened. And now here it is back to Monday. Yep. And it's going to be another busy week with me traveling for work. And so we got to this episode a little bit late, but I'm excited for it. It's another episode of just you and me. And I do enjoy that when we don't have a guest. I mean, I love our guests, but I enjoy getting back to basics, like the fundamentals of fun with Chris and Christine, coming up with some of our own fun topics to chat about. And speaking of that, what did you come up with for us this week? So speaking of, we bought this house like back in October of uh, last year. We've been living here. It's almost, well. I think it was like eight months now, seven yeah, or eight months. eight months now. And we actually sold the other house at a pretty good deal on the other house when I did sell it. Well, we, we sold it. I'm sorry. And I was looking at, I got something to the other day saying that the value of the old house is almost $100,000, roughly above what we sold it for. That's crazy. And what we sold it for, I thought was crazy at the time. Everything keeps going up and up. I know. And people keep talking about how expensive houses are right now because of all of the different things that are happening in the market. And sometimes that stuff confuses me. Right. It sure does. So today, coming up next, we are going to tell you, the as of right now, what the interest rates are uh, going into the market, want to buy a new house, what you're going to end up paying versus what we paid when we bought our house, and top 
10 cities that have grown more than 20% in value or expected to grow at 20% more in value coming up this year. And we're going to have that right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Welcome back, everybody. And today we have, uh, we're going to talk mortgages and homes. And if you are a home buyer, uh, God help you right now. If you are a home seller, you're probably loving it. Well, I don't know, because if you're a home seller, you're probably looking at getting into a new place pretty soon. And that could be even equally challenging. Speaking of that, I did run a survey on Twitter last week talking about this, saying with home prices being as crazy high as they are right now, um, you'd get amazing money for your house. Would you be considering selling your place to move into, you know, just to move? And 47% of the vote said no. They're just going to hang on to what they have. Interesting. Which makes probably drives prices up even higher now that the demand isn't quite there. I remember like, in a, in a time when everybody's selling, doesn't it drive the price down? Um, yeah. So that's supply. You were talking about demand. So supply is when there's too much in circulation and things aren't moving as quickly where prices can kind of stay stagnant. Demand is where there's not enough being sold and people are wanting more. And so it becomes a more competitive market, which In Southern California, it tends to be a pretty hot market regardless because I think it's a pretty desirable area to live. And so you'll see houses going on the market and people putting in cash offers for them. Whoa, yeah. If you can put a cash offer on a house, like cash is always king, they always say. Or they always tell you, bring your best offer or best whatever. When I was looking for houses before and I had a few houses I was looking at and one I really liked and I was like, ooh, it's kind of the top end of my budget. So um, when I was talking to my agent, they said – they talked to their agent and they said they just recommended putting your best offer. Mm-hmm. Well, I put my full – my best offer is all I can afford. Well, I'm capped out at for my right. loan. And then I even sent a picture out of me and the kids and like a sweet little letter and all that trying to get them to – but they obviously they went with somebody else because mm-hmm. I was probably 50 grand less than oh, the wow. offer they were getting it. You know, That's kind of what, they, what my agent said. So um, that was like seven years ago or whatever. So God, that was a fun time, let me tell you. But of course, <laughs> houses were a lot cheaper then than they are today. Yeah. And uh, what's funny, because today, like recently, the feds have raised the interest rates to a crazy new highs that you never haven't seen in like seven years. And what is the reason years. for that? Because that's I, what it kind of blows my mind with so much inflation happening and with all of like gas prices and everything st- skyrocketing, you would think that they would want to keep the rates stable to just keep houses moving so that we could keep having like a generating income. Yeah, maybe you got a point with that. Like I, that's another world of stuff that I know nothing about. All I can tell you is what the facts are. And the facts are when we bought our house, a good rate would be somewhere around Three to 3.5. Right. That'd be considered a, a good mortgage rate at the time we bought our house. And if now what are less, we at? What are we at? Well, what are the rates at right now? Oh, so if you wanted to get a, a say, a 30-year fixed rate, um, I just pulled this information today. Uh, it says the interest rate is 5.319. So 5.3. 5.3. 
for a 30-year fixed rate. So what's the impact of that on like a per monthly rate? Are we talking like pennies or does this take things up like hundreds of dollars where a person that might have been able to afford a $600,000 house now can only afford like a $400,000 house? Correct. And the payment would be about the same. Wow. You know, maybe even more. I don't even know. So 5.3, which is funny, these numbers are actually reflecting what the interest rates were right at the time of the 2008-2009 crash. That's crazy. So they were in the fives back then. So I remember back then a five was considered a decent rate, which which is funny to think because now you're thinking like, oh, we had houses we down to 3.1 or 3.3. Now fives are are considered like a low rate. So even if you want to get a VA loan, 30-year VA rate, that's 4.6. That's crazy. And you think about this, whenever the rates get raised – it really impacts people that are on the, like they're trying to get a house. I was, I had this chance encounter with a lady just a couple weeks ago. So when I went to rent my my uh, cargo van from Hertz a couple weeks ago, I needed to pick it up and I needed to bring the Explorer home and then um, I needed them to bring the van to me. So they had their driver bring the van to me and then I drove her back to the Hertz rental place. Well, as she was in the passenger seat, I was chatting with her, a very sweet gal. Um, her and her husband are immigrants to this country. They uh, moved here legally multiple years ago and they've been living in an apartment. She was telling me that they've been saving up to try and buy their first home for five years. Wow. And so they've put away and they both work at Hertz, very hard workers, and they've been paying their rent and living in a smaller area and their kids are grown, but they're trying to purchase their first home. And just as they were getting ready to purchase a house and, you know, they've been putting in offers, then the interest rates go up and now they're priced out of the market. And so, no way. yeah. And so she was very discouraged because, you know, she pulled up to our house and she says, oh my gosh, this is such a beautiful home. And she talked about her dream of home ownership, which... Is part of that American dream, you know. It's so always many, been ever since right. like the fifties or six, whatever. Right, even before is then. being able to like stake your claim to your own home. And she was so discouraged, saying, you know, her and her husband had worked for five years to save up enough money to put a down payment, and now they can't really afford it because of the interest rates. And they had just saved enough to know what their budget was, and so now they're faced with, do we have to get a much smaller house? And pay a bigger payment on it or try and wait out the the industry and try and wait for the trends to kind of trend in the opposite way. Well, if the trends go the other way, like you're thinking, if they go down, like the values start to go down, they may kind of stable off. They're not going to crash like they did before. I don't mm-hmm. think they may slow down or go down. Um, but here we have a list of the top 10 cities where housing prices are expected to rise. Okay. Over 20%. Now, you think that 20% number is usually the typical down payment required to get into a house for a standard loan. Now, is this saying like it's going to raise 20% just for the prices of houses that are on the market? Or is this also going to benefit people that hold on to their house where it's going to go up in Houses in general, because you can check the value of any house and see what the value is. So they're saying 20%. the, The houses are going to go up 20% okay. overall, all houses, whether on the sale or just house you own, you're sitting in. So if you're a homeowner and you see your house rises 20%, you're happy because that's equity. That's money in the bank. Yeah. Right. So, okay. I'm going to, 
I haven't seen this list yet. So I am going to project, and we'll see if I'm right, that the top places are going to be like New York City and San Francisco. No. Now, do you want to go from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Let's go 10. Well, whatever the last one is to that first one on the list. Okay. So the last one I have on here is number 10, coming in 10th place. We have Riverside, California with a forecast of 21.8% increase. Oh, that's interesting. Why is that? Well, it says Riverside's known for its orange groves, rolling hills, nice weather because it's in Southern California-ish. It is fairly close to LA because I know a lot it of It is people, close to LA. And it's close to San Diego proximity-wise. So if you live in that Riverside area, I always know people can either travel to LA for work, which are a lot of places to work in LA, right. or even San Diego. Uh, the distance is almost the same-ish. So you're you're driving freeway either way you go, but you're in that kind of no man's land, I guess, where you're kind of right. like – and there's stuff out there. Yeah. But you can kind of go both both ways. So that comes in number 10. I remember houses in that area. The whole area kind of like – I think a place was really affected when the housing crash happened in 2008. That was one of the worst affected areas in the country. Where did you get that fact from? That's a magazine I saw back then. I was reading magazines about that way back in the day. And, uh, and you just remembered that fun fact? Yeah, because all those houses shot up. If you think about it, that area was priced to be more of a starter home, like newer builds, but for starter family homes. They were priced pretty reasonably. And those are the ones that got into those houses that probably shouldn't have because okay. because of their um, stated income. And they like they did a lot of shady stuff with the, income, with the um, mortgages back then. Mm-hmm. They called them – what did they call them? It was a term – a subprime. That's what it was. Subprime mortgages. Oh, okay. They got all those subprime mortgages where all those houses on that area were affected heavily. Those ones were hit. Like you could see blocks in neighborhoods totally like foreclosed, like the whole neighborhood foreclosed. Yep. I lived stuff. in a neighborhood like that because it was where the new builds were happening and see? people were just like cash for keys, walking away from their houses, right. and mailing in their keys to the bank. So speaking of that similar, if you drive through that area, you head up north, number nine comes in at Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, I could see that. Well, it says Las Vegas did have a hit because of COVID, but they're going to be projected to go up above 23.3% in this year, home values. But I don't understand why so many people move to Vegas because it's so stinking hot there. Well, it's hot. It's hot in Riverside. You lived in Fresno. It's hot there too, right? No, but Vegas is a different kind of heat. It's Isn't like it about the same this no, time of year? No, it's like 120 there. Uh, yeah, but it does actually snow in Vegas too, if you know that. When the, on the other side, it gets cold too in Vegas. Yeah, so I don't get why people move to Vegas. I mean, you've got all the casino traffic. Ugh. Well, coming in number eighth, we got – is it Boise? Idaho. Oh. I've never been to Idaho in my life. I just really? want to make potatoes or something. I don't know. No, my parents – they used to live in Idaho when they were newlyweds and that's where – uh, my sister Laura lived for a long time. My sister Kim. Oh, really? Yeah, my sister Kim was born in Utah, but they lived in Idaho for a couple of years. Um, I could see that the Boise well, would be like, booming. It says it's attracting millennials and yeah. retirees. And so there's trees, outdoor life, that kind of stuff. There's also there's universities. Right. There's an influx of new businesses, especially tech coming up there in Boise, uh, Idaho. So that's also what prices uh, makes. Um, houses go up in value if there's things out there that are desirable people to go do definitely i think that the the lifestyle is a little bit slower paced than what we get on like the extreme east coast and west coast it's like more of a midwestern vibe and 
people might like that, being able to slow down. And then cost of living, I would think, is a little bit more economical. So even well, if it goes up 20%. 23.3% to be exact. But still, if we're talking like being able to buy a huge house for like $250,000 or $300,000, then, you know, still. It's cheaper than down here. I can tell you way, that much. Yeah. So number seven. Uh, this state has three on this list, which is kind of crazy. Maybe everyone's moving to Utah. Ooh. Salt Lake City, Utah, to be exact. Wow. It says it's projected to go up 23.5% this year. Wow. So when you see these projections of houses going up this much in value, it's telling you there's an in- increase in demand, which means people are flocking over there. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Salt Lake City, but I heard it's a big city. They got the ski resorts there. They got outdoor stuff to do. Um, I've been to businesses. Salt Lake City. My best friend lives just 20 minutes That's from there. That's right. Kira. Hey, shout out to Kira. Maybe Kira's on this list. Maybe her house is on this list. You yeah, never know. Yeah, maybe. She bought her house not that long ago. It says one of the Salt Lake City's real estate struggles is there's more people moving in than moving out. And when that happens, it prices go up. That's interesting. I wonder what the draw is for Utah. Well, it just says that there's a lot of outdoor growth and there's uh, business growth happening and uh, talent for technology. A lot of these places, it seems like technology is the key factor in a lot of these because the tech space is something that's been really growing over the last, say, 20 years, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, really blowing up. So the number six place happens to be in their first one in California. Number six come in at San Jose, California. Yeah, I could see that. But the cost to live in San Jose was already astronomical. So if it moves up another 20%, well, it's like actually going to move up exactly 24.5%. So what's interesting about San Jose is that's one of the areas where it's so expensive that people that are in education can't even afford to live in the area. And so some of the school districts are helping to subsidize building uh, like apartment complexes for educators to be able to move in because the median price of housing there for a starting teacher means that they would have to have like four or five roommates to be able to get a no place way. to live or work like three jobs. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, speaking of jobs, you know, San Jose is close to all the tech headquarters. We're talking Google, Netflix, Apple. They're all like not that far from there. So I mm-hmm. think that's what's driving a lot of the prices up in that area because like, you know, I mean – have you seen the Apple campus, by the way? I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. It looks like a spaceship or something. It looks <laughs> like crazy. You the big but park yeah, in Google, the center. Google, you have – I think Netflix is up in that area too, right? Right. That's what it says here on this list. So um, so if you're ready to join the rich and famous in San Jose, you may want to buy soon as prices continue to rise. <laughs> so now the number five spot on this list right in the middle. What is it? Is a little place we're familiar with. Uh, San Diego, San Diego, California, baby. San Diego. (laughs) So here in San Diego, California, the housing is projected to go up 24.7% this year. Now, the obvious things, we're next to the beach, next to the ocean, great weather. You can pretty much get anywhere in San Diego within 20, 30 minutes. That's true. Drive-wise, which uh, uh, San Diego is pretty much like L.A., but it's got a much – everything's close together and stuff. I know LA's bigger and more diverse, mm-hmm. but San Diego, it's uh, – I love San Diego. When I moved down to San Diego and I got an apartment and I was looking at some of the housing prices as a single person, it blew my mind because I was looking at places that were like a 1,000 square feet, but they were like close enough to the beach where it was walk, walking distance. And those places were like – 
high six figures and some of them, you know, even seven figures, you know, like things A million that, dollars? Yeah, close to it for like, you know, 1,200, 1,400 square feet, but very close to the ocean. And it's just so mind-blowing to me that the same house that I owned in Fresno, if I would have just held on to it or if I could have moved it down here, I'd be a multimillionaire. Yes, it says here, if you can afford to live in San Diego, you want to see your expensive home rising in value. You may want to buy soon if you're looking to buy something. So they're projecting everything's going to go up and not come down. That's interesting because normally it like goes in peaks and valleys. But I guess that you know, we must have bought at just the right time. And I was telling you, you were like, I don't want to sell our other house. And then finally, I convinced you. And it took a lot of convincing. And I think that what we have done now is a good investment because we have a house that is substantial. It's on a large lot, which is like, I mean, it's almost a 20,000 square foot lot, which is like unheard of in San Diego County. It's 25 minutes from downtown, which isn't bad. And we have a great view and we're adding this extra studio on our property. Our pricing, I think that our appreciation on our value is going to go up, up, up. It has. I mean, if you check what it says it's worth. Now, when you check these listings, what you think your house is worth, whether you use Zillow or Redfin or Realtor or any of them, they all are a little different. And of course, your Realtor will say something. The only price that really matters is what somebody is willing to offer to pay for your house. Right. That's the price that really matters. And right now it's going through the roof. And with inflation, it's interesting because you're not seeing a lot of employers increasing compensation. And so it's like housing prices are going to go up, but are people going to be able to make more money or are we just going to get into a situation where they're just strapped for cash, which is like the precursor to the housing market crash from several years ago. Right. That's when the jobs start to, uh, I mean, you basically, with gas prices, I'm like, good, don't even, God, I can't imagine God, gas yeah. prices. Okay. So moving on to number four. How do you say that? Is it uh, Ogden, Ogden? Ogden, Utah. Og Ogden, Utah. Now, another Utah on this list. It says it's north of Salt Lake City. So um, I know nothing about Ogden. I know nothing about Utah, other than I've been to Utah a few times. But uh, what do you got in Utah, babe? Yeah, so Ogden is just another city that's, I mean, it's a little ways away from Salt Lake City, but it's definitely up and coming with the millennials. I've been hearing that a lot of millennials are moving to Utah because, again, the tech scene and industry is really starting to grow, but also that it has a pretty, like, family-friendly environment. So I wonder, because this place is says proximally close to Salt Lake City, so maybe if you can't afford Salt Lake City, maybe move to Ogden. Yeah. But Ogden says its prices are climbing to 25.2% this year. Whoa. Yeah, we're getting into the top three now. Okay. So what do you think is the number three plus spot? It's not in Utah. It's not in California. So what would be another... Not in Nevada either. So what would be another state that's close by? I would think by? something Midwesty. So like... um. Maybe so we've we've heard a lot about like Oklahoma, Colorado, and Texas. You know what? I've here I'm gonna take a wild guess. So I've had a, a lot of friends move from San Diego recently and relocate to Austin, Texas. No, that is not the number three spot. The number three spot goes to Phoenix, Arizona. What? I know. It's what is it with all these heat places? Well, here it says low property taxes and cost of living. Uh, it's lower than normal for mm. for the national average, which probably makes it more desirable. Interesting. I heard just last week that you can buy like literally like a 2,000 square foot house 
in Phoenix with a yard, maybe even a pool for like 200 grand. Yes. And then if you go outside during the months of late April till October, you can also, you know, catch on fire because it's so hot. That's well, I think people are moving there because you think about these places on this list. They're going up in value because people want to buy a house, right? So they're just going to go to where they can't afford. So if everybody's thinking the same exact thing you're thinking, which is, oh, we're, our budget is X amount of dollars. Where are those houses? Let's all move there. And that's what happens. That's what drives up the inventory. I mean, drives up the um, the appreciation. Right. It drives value. up. Yeah. So this this one actually says the value is twenty going to go up 26.2%. Wow. But living in that heat just seems tragic. Well, it's all tragic, baby. And I'm I'm sure the next top two places are also hot places okay. in the earth. So the no, that was number three. Now the number two place is another Utah. Oh. Provo, Utah. Oh, yeah. Provo is like that's another area that's not super far from Salt Lake City. I mean, nothing's really super far from Salt Lake City. Well, Utah is a big state. What do you mean? I mean, everything's far from you. I mean, there's, it's there's, not a big state. Utah's huge. No. Yeah, it's like, it is. like half the size, like a third of the size of California. Yeah, but it's about the size of like Nevada. Nevada's huge. Um. Okay. Well, I mean, to have three but places in, the, in, in the, Utah on the list is interesting. You know, speaking of Nevada, can you name two other cities in Nevada other than Reno and us in, in, in um? Reno and Vegas. Yeah, Laughlin and Carson City. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's more than most people could do. Yeah. Most people can't name more than one. Sparks, Nevada, Winnemucca. That's where my cousins used to live was Winnemucca, Nevada. Really? And the funny thing is the capital is not Vegas, although people think it is. Isn't it Carson City? I think so. Yeah. But it's not Vegas, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so, yeah, Utah, the usual thing saying that the there's nice people in the uh, in the area, I guess, and the homeowners should expect a high increase in home values in 2022 as demand increases, which goes on all this list. So it's 28.2% okay. increase, which... That's a lot. Yes. But our number one place okay. beats them all okay. with an increase projected of being 37.1%. Wait, 37? 37% this year increase. That's insane. That's the projection for 2022. For what city? Our number one place comes in. You mentioned earlier, but I'm going to tell you right now, number one comes in with Austin, Texas. What? Now, Austin Austin is known for its warm weather, affordable housing, and uh, bustling cultures and nightlife and all that fun stuff. I heard it's Austin is like becoming like the um, the liberal city or the only liberal city in Texas, which draws a lot of tech crowd and younger crowd. Yeah. And the vibe of Austin is closer to like a Nashville where there's like a lot more restaurants that are popping up, bars, like places for people to go and hang out, cool coffee shops. There's a big tech industry that's evolving. But one of the things that's interesting, and I think this was one of the guests that we interviewed uh, several months ago was saying is that, you know, the influx of people from out of state is driving up the home values to where Texans- 37%, yeah. Yeah, to where Texans are getting resentful because it's outpricing them. And it was like their quiet little sleeper city is now becoming this huge bustling metropolis and it's making it really challenging for the locals. Well, yeah, if you think about this, imagine if we were to sell our house and take our massive profit we got from the house. Say we, say we had the place for, say, five, seven years and we were, we were so upside on value that we could cash out and literally take the money and take all of it uh-huh. and outprice 
local buyer in right. Texas and just walk right over them and say, we're putting X amount of cash down. Boom, total paying cash for your little house. And we just walk right into it. Right. And outbids everybody else. So I can see that happening with, with home buyers in the local market. But mm-hmm. gosh, 37% increase. So basically, the moral story is really get in if you can. If you can't, I'm sorry. And if you save so much to get to this point, I'm very sorry. Well, you know, people say the market's not going to come down again, but it always settles a little bit. So I think that it'll come down a bit and interest rates will come down a bit. So just hang tight. Don't feel desperate and don't end up, you know, purchasing a house like a panic buy because what will end up happening is you panic buy something and you might be willing to overlook, you know, an inspection or things or like that. Or the roof falling down or something. Right. And so <laughs> then you end up with these like huge housing issues and just, you know, keep yourself calm and the right house is going to be yours at the right time. And I really truly believe in that. And so we just, we don't say this to freak you out. All that to say is if you can't invest in a house, this might be a good opportunity if you live in one of those cities that are going to be appreciating the most. Right. And if you get in something small, like say even a condo or a townhome, right? Those go up in value also. And you could do like what I did. You can try to ride yourself out a few years and then maybe sell it for a profit and upgrade. Absolutely. Well, any other words of wisdom that you have for our listeners today, Chris? That will do it, folks. And that is all I got, baby. So where can our listeners find out more about us and our resources and this great advice that we give out? You can go over to chrisandchristineshow.com, the fantastic website. that does tell you all about us, Podtastic Audio, and Christine Smith Designs is yes. on over there. And a very big new announcement, our new venture, well, not our new venture, your new venture. I want to brag on you for a minute. Okay. Because... Not only has Chris successfully launched this podcast for us and maintains podtastic audio, but as of today, you are officially a radio DJ. What? Check that out. I know. (laughs) This has been a dream of yours since you were like in high school. You started to go to school for it. And today your dream becomes a reality. And so it's officially the launch of K2 Radio on what is the name of the channel? It's going to be Surge FM. And, okay. and I have to get all the details worked out officially, but it's going to be on Surge FM. It's going to be uh, 7 p.m. seven p.m. Pacific, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. Eastern is when the show is going to be on live. Yeah. And so one of the things that I love about it is, is the blend of you doing your fantastic DJ work, bringing in some music that you really enjoy And then also bringing in some bits of the podcast, some highlights from some of our best shows. And I'm super proud of you and I wanted to brag on you. And so over the next few weeks, keep watching our show notes because as we get more information about uh, Chris's new show on Surge FM, we're going to leave the link to that in our show notes so that you can catch him on the rag, on the go, and you can become a big supporter of K2 Radio. Ah, oh, fantastic. K2 Radio. It goes K2, uh, our K2 show in the K2 studios with Podtastic Audio. Now K2 Radio. Oh, I uh, love it so much, man. How do you feel, honey, accomplishing oh, this dream of yours? I feel fantastic. You know, I just can't wait for everyone to hear and listen. It's going to be live radio, live like anything you ever heard before. And I'm so proud of you growing in your skills and just really building up our brand and building up your brand. And so definitely go out and support Chris in this exciting new venture. Check out our website and check out our show notes for more information about some of the sources where Chris got this important information about the housing market too. That's right. Fantastic. And we will be back with you guys next week. 